Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How would you like a free case of craft beer from our friends at Beer 52? That's eight delicious craft beers from some of the best breweries on the planet. Just go to beer52.com slash spurs and cover the $5.95 for postage to claim your beer now. Every month they send a new case with a different theme, usually from a different part of the world. Members have tasted beer from 40 different countries spanning five continents. You also get a magazine which delves into the theme, beer and producers, and two tasty snacks to wash down with with the beer. You can choose a case of light beer only or a mixture of dark and light. And there's no minimum commitment and you can pause and cancel at any time. Don't forget, that's www.beer52.com slash spurs to claim your free case now. That's beer52.com slash spurs. I'm David Hepworth. And I'm Mark Ellen. We met at a gig in Manchester in 1977. And we began a conversation about rock and roll that night, which has been going on ever since. For the last 15 years, that conversation has continued in the Word in Your Ear podcast. It's not a serious conversation, but it does cover the things that matter. The haircuts. The tacks. The tours. The trousers. If you share our conviction that rock and roll can be magnificent and hilarious at one and the same time, then join us wherever you get your podcasts. Spurs fans around the world, welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney here in North London. Uh, I'm going to be discussing all things Tottenham Hotspur with two esteemed veterans of the show. Welcome back, Russell Goldsmith. Hi, Theo. How are you doing? I'm good. Very nice to see you, Russell. And uh, welcome back, a man who's worn the lily white shirt with distinction, as well as many other uh, impressive shirts. Mr. Terry Gibson. Hello, Terry. I'm very wealthy. I'm glad to be Arsenal. Always a, a pleasure. I think I'm a veteran veteran now. I fall into that category, I think. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we needed three wise men, three wise old men, if you, if you don't mind me saying so, <laughs> which is what we are, because this season is uh, just continues to confound us and because it's a kind of curate's egg of a football season. So many, I mean, we expect a roller coaster ride, don't we, at Tottenham Hotspur, but this one is more like a kind of, uh, it's like one of those graphs on a cardiogram. It's like the up and down and the up and down are so extreme and so, it's staccato, isn't it? One minute we, we, we win, we lose, we win, we lose, we win, we lose. And um, as we sit here now, we're on the back of a defeat. And you know the other thing about these these games that every time I think we're going to win, we lose. Every time I think we're going to lose, we we win. We lost on Saturday at Manchester United. In years gone by, that wouldn't have been any particular disgrace or even particularly unexpected. But we lost a game against Manchester United. I thought I went into with great confidence. And uh, by many people's assessment, in fact, we only lost because of one man. A man, Terry, you will have watched probably more than me and Russell put together because of your your many years service in Spain, watching football where you have a particular expertise. Is it fair to say, do you think with your Spurs hat on and your Spanish expert hat on and your Ronaldo expert hat on, is it fair to say we were beaten by a one man? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not that simple, obviously, because they, they have to defend, they have to supply me chances. But it's so infuriating to see a couple of the goals he scores. I mean, the one, the tapping, there's not a lot you can do about that. But the other two goals, I still I feel that maybe we should be a little bit more aware, having scored 807 goals, that he's got a decent yeah. shot on him, so yeah. closing down a bit quicker. And he's pretty good in the air. That's something we've all come to learn. And from a set piece, you know, Romero, I think, was the player responsible that initially that was marking him and letting go and, he just seems to get on the end of things, and you know it's a uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Of course, he was the difference between the two teams. Uh, that was clear to see. He hasn't done it on a regular basis, but has been criticised. But his goals tally this season again is is still superb, and just you know trust him to do it against us. When I thought it was a close game, one player made the difference between the two teams. They didn't create an abundance of chances. Hugo Lloris wasn't called into action. On too many other occasions, but he does pop up with the, the two goals that, you know, in fairness, we didn't create that many chances either. But I thought it was a tight game, could have gone either way. And, it, and you're right, Theo, it wasn't a, a disastrous performance, not disastrous result. But bearing in mind the opposition, the way that they've been playing lately, similar to us, um, it was an opportunity, I thought, with 2-2. I thought we just lacked a little belief that we, we could actually go on and win the game as opposed to... We were playing a little bit cagey and we got punished from not defending the set pieces as well as we should do. Yeah, it's always disappointing to let goals in from set pieces, of course. Um, I, I wondered, I was thinking the last time we were in Manchester, we went to Manchester City and we won largely, uh, uh, not entirely again, but largely because of a virtuoso performance by our superstar forward, Harry Kane. And you just felt like, I don't know, if Kane had been as on on fire on Saturday, perhaps it would have been different, Russell. Did that occur to you? To to a point, I think there was a couple of things just listening to what Terry was just saying there and picking up the word on belief, which, you know, it doesn't matter what manager seems to come into our team, we can't seem to get that, instill that belief in, in our squad that we can go and go and finish the job. Um <clears throat> but the frustration for me, yeah, I mean obviously if if Kane played as well as he played against City it would have been a different game and Son just although Sonny is is scoring goals his his touch seems to kind of let him down occasionally but I think the frustration for me with that that you know the game at the weekend and the games that that we keep 
losing, you know, just thinking back to the, like the semi-final against Chelsea, the game against Middlesbrough, the goals that we concede are, are, are errors. You know, so yeah, Ronaldo is a, a ridiculously phenomenal, amazing player. You know, we witnessed history being made with the, you know, in becoming the best goal scorer ever or whatever the statistic was. But if Dyer didn't, you know, stand back from him with his hands behind his back, if Reguilón hadn't played their, you know, guy on side, and if, like you say, Romero had actually done the defending or, you know, Doherty, whoever it was, those are three goals that we could have avoided. So, yeah, I mean, he is a ridiculously phenomenal player, but we gave him the opportunity to score the goals. And I, I don't know, maybe it is that belief that we don't think we're good enough to do. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand why we can't, you know, like you say, we... we we play amazing against City and then we go, you know, cock it up the next week. It's just so frustrating. It's infuriating. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, as I, as I think we all think, we didn't play that badly. We were not We were not markedly inferior. If anything, we might no. have been the better team on the balance of play. But, um, yeah, those bits of defending were disappointing. When he, when, he when he went and scored that first goal, it reminded me of years ago. I remember being at Old Trafford. I think it was a cup game. And Beckham, a very young David Beckham getting in the ball in a similar position and the defender backing off him. And I remember even then thinking, don't back off him, not when he's got it there. It was the same thing. I mean, you know the players. It's not like, I mean, Beckham, all right, he was young, but I mean, you know, like you said, Terry, it's not like he's a mystery. He's, a, he's a, an unknown quantity, is it? You know what he can do, my God. But um, yeah, overall, I thought we played okay. I mean, going forward, uh, I, I feel like maybe that defence, maybe we we need to accept that the defence personnel-wise isn't quite top level. There's a lot. It's often said that there is a shortage in this era of football of top quality central defenders. And if you look around, I mean, look, that's where England are weak, isn't it? For example, England are the better than they've ever been, but they still look weak in that department. Do you think, Terry, that he will perhaps look to... I mean, assuming we'll talk about, I mean, who knows whether Conti will hang around. But if he was, if he did hang around, do you think him and Paratici will prioritise the defence in terms of um, new recruits in the summer? Yeah, I think that's obvious, Theo. I think that, you know, it is, uh, you mentioned the errors, Russell mentions the errors, and that's what's happening on a regular basis. So, yes, we've got Lloris tied up now. Romero looks full of potential, doesn't he? Looks. We, I, I just feel we, we need... Some real old-fashioned defenders, first and foremost, in terms of defending is the be-all and then the keeping clean sheets, you know, stopping opponents getting shots in. I think the, 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 the emphasis you were placing there about the modern-day central defender, a lot of clubs look for players that can play the ball out the back, they're comfortable in possession, can move out the back with, with possession of the ball, with, with the ball at their feet. But for me, still, I, I still think, feel you need um, an element of defenders that take pride in keeping clean sheets. You know, when they block a shot, it's almost like, you know, you see Chiellini celebrates like he scored a goal. You know, Chiellini isn't the best to bring the ball up with, at the back with his feet, but in terms of that type of mentality that, you know, Franco Baresi, I'm showing my age there, Carlos Puyo was another one, and they just clear the ball. They put their foot through it, they clear it there. You know, it's the, the, the first thought going into a game is, not conceding a goal, not conceding chances. And, and I just feel that sometimes now in modern-day football there are other attributes that clubs look for in, in defenders. So I, I would like to see a Grand Roberts in a maxi back in, in the centre-half where defending and stopping the opponents is, is all that matters. Because I think we've got 
so many other good attributes in terms of creative ability and attacking ability. If we play the three at the back, I think we've got you know good good wing backs and different ones, wingers playing as wing backs or full backs playing in the, in the wing back positions. I think we've got a good balance there. Um, but I think that, that you know the three central defenders we have to have. Yes, we want them to be able to pass the ball out of the back. Of course, that's a given. But it goes back to being, you know, that natural mentality of stopping the opponents um, is in, and taking pride in it. That's what we need. I'm not. I'm not sure Roberts or Miller would survive past about 15 minutes in a game these days, would they? <laughs> no, 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 they wouldn't. No, no, <laughs> of course not. But you know, what I mean, no, that they would have to attack. Absolutely, let's just say that they'd have to attack. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. <laughs> the winning mentality of players such as those and and Killian is still playing it, still playing that style and and in making sure that it works. So it's uh, they're hard to find. I agree with you. They're, they're not easy to find, but I feel that's definitely what we need. Yeah, I mean, there's a feeling that I mean, when it comes to the summer, I mean, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about the uh, the Brighton game in a minute, but just thinking in bro- in a broader in broader terms, in the summer, you kind of wonder. There's a lot of one. Do, do, if we don't get top four, do does Conti walk out the door? And and if that is the case. Isn't it? Isn't it that if we don't get top four, it's his responsibility, isn't it? And yet at the same time, he would. He would. I mean, do you think we risk losing him if a couple of big jobs come up? The Paris Saint Germain job's very likely to come up. The Manchester United job is up. It's a vacancy. Maybe one of the Chelsea. Who knows what's going to happen at Chelsea? Mind you, is that still a big job? That's still another. That's another question. The Newcastle. Who knows? But do you think he would be if if a really big job come comes up? You know. Do you think he would? He, we're in danger of losing him, if particularly if we don't get in that top four, which is looking less and less likely. It's, it's a hard one. I mean, it's a hard one because he 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 says he's loving his time. You know, the fans have have really taken to him. You know, singing his name and um, I, I I mean I love him. I, I I love his passion. I spend a lot of time watching him on the touchline. Actually, I find it fascinating. Um, like he's coaching every, every single pass and you know directing you know the players and stuff like that um so if if he is enjoying it and he's and he is backed i mean if anything's going to prove that he is a world class manager is being the first manager in a long time to actually get you know to achieve something with his team you know and um i mean top 4's not out of the picture yet although those that that team down the road look like they're um they're, they're just consistent, you know. In terms of our inconsistency, they are very consistent, and I think, you know, yeah, we might catch United and and whatever, but Ars- you know, Arsenal, unfortunately, are the ones to you know that that look more likely to get it. Um, if he wants to prove himself as a manager, you know, why not stay at Spurs? Um, but it will be a, a challenge. We do need new players, but in terms of that responsibility, yeah, I think you know part of it is down to him. I think you know, I mean. There have been some decisions that I, I find odd with some of the the choices of players. You know, Royale, he's, he's finally moved over to Ducati, you know, to, to take that position. But I thought, you know, continu- continually persisting with him seemed odd. Bringing him on at certain occasions came on and I thought he was responsible for the, the goal against Middlesbrough in the cup. Um, you know, so, so things like that, you know, are his responsibility. But I guess he's got to take time to get used to the players and you know what what they can do but there's also this thing about you know the system obviously works for him but if the if he hasn't got the players to you know to actually do the roles 
do you change the system? I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. But you know, so is, so is that a responsibility of his? Um, because you know, when you see, so, so I, I don't know that we've got the good enough wing backs to play the role. You know, to play the system that he wants to play. But I'm not a world class coach. He he obviously is. So I don't, you know, I, I don't I don't know. He 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 should take some responsibility. But I wouldn't want to you know, blame him for us not getting to top four because I wouldn't want to lose him. I think he is the best coach we have had in a very, very long time. Well, since Pochettino, without any doubt, isn't it? I mean, he's certainly certainly way better than <laughs> bloody uh, Mourinho and Nuno. And I think, he's be- I think he's way better than Pochettino. I really do. Do you? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Really? Po- that's interesting. Don't, don't, don't get me started. I, I mean, don't, you know, I love Pochettino and what he achieved for us, but at the same time, he had the best crop of players we've ever had. And unfortunately, he continued, you know, he, he again, made bizarre decisions. And um, <laughs> it seems like he's, that, that classic, you, you can take the man out of Tottenham, but you can't take the Tottenham out of the man, because what happened the other day to him just was, was yeah. quite incredible. Yeah, but it's interesting you say. Um, one, it's interesting you say he had the best crop of players we've ever had, and he and he still didn't win anything. But he didn't have, he didn't turn up, and he had, he, they didn't just land in his lap. Some of those players improved into amazing players. Like for example, when he turned up, Walker and uh, Rose weren't any great shakes, and he turned them into the best best wing backs in the country or best fullbacks in the yeah. country. No question about it. I mean, and he assembled. He brought in uh, Alderweireld, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not. As I said, I. I I, I loved him. I thought he was he was absolutely brilliant. But there were were decisions like, you know, going back to playing Sonny at, at wing back in that semi final against Chelsea. Bizarre, you know, not starting Lucas after scoring a hat trick. You know, you you can go through all these different things. When it came to the the real crunch, those real big game decisions, you know, we never got over the line. And I don't know if that's a manager thing or or just a Spurs thing. As as I was saying, it's just. It's just, we don't seem to have that belief, but um, I, I don't know. I would personally rate Conte higher, and I would love to love for him to stay and, and go on and make you know huge success at this club. And um, I, yeah, I really hope he does. I think what Pochettino did here it has to be respected, but I think when you look at respect in terms of the whole career so far, Conte has been doing it such longer, and he has one more trophies. So I think that that does tell you the story there in terms of who is the, the better qualified coach. I'm desperately want Conte to stay. I hope he's back. I'm not 100% sure he will stay. Um, we know he's, his temperament. We know the power he has. And if he if, he's, if he feels he's not being backed by Spurs in, in terms of who he wants in and who he wants out, then then he'll walk. Um, but I'm hoping that this summer there is going to be backing and allow the control of them. The, the manager more controlled than what we've allowed a manager in the past because he is, he's an elite manager. Pochettino Probably isn't yet, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Conte is. So, you know, Manchester United, they, we, we, we had a result nicking before United did, to be honest. Now, I don't know how that happened, how Manchester United were hanging around and, and didn't make the choice to change Solskjaer quicker when Conte was available. We did. I didn't think we'd get him. Thankfully, we did. And, and I hope he's backed to the hill. Um, he's married to this three at the back. And then and the wing backs, he, he's he always plays that. So, yeah, if he wants to improve those position, then then he should be allowed to do so. So, but I think Poch Poch has to be respected. I mean, saying this to a Champions League final, we almost had a feeling of we were we felt it was our right to be in the top four and to qualify for Champions League. 
that was happening on a regular basis. Now all of a sudden we're looking and thinking, I hope we don't go through that period again where we we, we didn't qualify for that for a long time. So I'm I'm a beacon of hope that we're still going to do it this year. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, what do you think about that? You know what I was saying though. If we, if you're playing a system, but if the if the players aren't good enough to to play it, do you change the system? What do you think? You probably should do Russell, if I'm being honest. Um, but he, the, the numbers are there, so he's got the, the fullbacks that can play wing back and stuff like that. There is a choice, you know, Doherty and Emerson on one side, Regulon and Cessignon on the other side. He has a choice, so he will have the decision to make where he feels that if they're good enough, keep them. If not, move them on and bring someone in who he feels is going to be his number one choice. But yeah, I think in general you do tend to, but I think the players are there to play it this season. Um, you know, so it's and it, it does make little variations as well. It's but the three at the back and the wing backs is a must. Then he adapts from three in midfield or two in midfield and three up front and two up front. He does make little little tweaks here and there. But um, no, I think that's uh, it, it's hard to to change. And he's the first manager to play this for a period of time at Spurs and not change. So I think the players are slowly getting used to it. I mean, Ben Davis has been interesting because he's a left back and he's a decent size. So he can play left of the three because more often than not, the left-sided of the three central defenders or the right-sided, they get drawn out into fullback positions. So ideally, that's the best way to do it. If you can get a, a good size fullback who's comfortable defending in a fullback role against a wide player, because sometimes you get big centre-halves that don't want to go out there. So the three of them end up staying central. So I think we're going along the right ideas, whereas it's slightly surprising to a lot of people that Ben Davis has been the the, the, the the left side of the three, but that's because he's a, a decent size and used to playing the other left back role. Yeah, and he played. He's played in that for Wales, hasn't he? He's played in a in a back three for Wales on the left, so that was good. So at least he'd had some experience of it. The trouble is, he's not a brilliant. I mean, I I hate to criticise him. He's one of those players, Ben Davis. You don't like to criticise because he's like a model professional. Seems like a great bloke. Always gives it everything, but he's not quite top level. You can't see him getting into those other top teams into the teams that do qualify for the Champions League. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-players, interviews, original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Also, uh, Spurs show live season ticket events this season, are going really well. You can sign up at season.spursshow.net to get the season ticket and that gets you two tickets for each event and the next one's a really special one. Alfie Con on March the 29th. There are a few extra tickets to non-season ticket members available, by the way, for that at biletto.co.uk. So check that out. The great Alfie Con, one of the great Spurs cult heroes. Uh, our end of season Spurs show will be at the 100 Club on May the 26th with our delays and Velia. Uh, also, you can get tickets at billetto.co.uk for that. And we'll also be putting on an event at the JW3 Community Centre on May the 11th, uh, Finchley Road. And that's got Martin Chivers, Pat Jennings, Alan Mullery and Stevie Perriman. For that one, go to jw3.org.uk. Do follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please leave us a nice review on iTunes. It really helps. Uh, we've got merchandise, brand new Hummin Son and Antonio Conti designs. Uh, the old Woolwich Wanderers classic, Hoddle, Aussie, Chivers, Bale, Greaves and Mackay designs. T-shirts, sweatshirts, phone covers 
the links are on the description to this podcast. And next week I'm back and I'm joined by Meg Wright and Rob Eason, the voice of doom. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about the pivotal moment that we're at, because I think, once again, we're faced with a pivotal moment this week. We've got West Ham next weekend. We're going to do a separate show later in the week for that, because it's a, it's a cup final after all. It's West Ham's cup final, so it, it deserves its own show. But that will be, of course, a very important game, because uh, they're, they're still in the running. They're still in that race for, for fourth place. But right now, interestingly, Arsenal, very much the form team, very much theirs to lose all of a sudden. They've, they play, haven't played as many games as us. They're, they're six points ahead of us, I think. And everyone's talking about this amazing winning streak. But Arsenal haven't played a top team in this winning streak at all. They've, all, they've played mid, mid-table to lower mid-table type teams. They've had five wins, not some more convincing than others. This midweek, we go to Brighton. We've also lost five on the trot. Uh, lost five on the trot. And Arsenal have to play Liverpool. So you suddenly think, well, maybe Arsenal... And Arsenal got Villa at the weekend as well. So maybe Arsenal don't... Maybe Arsenal. this is when Arsenal stop winning. If we can beat Brighton, a very out-of-sorts Brighton, that sets us up to, you know, for, for the weekend game, which, as I say, we'll look at in detail later in the week. Can we... And then, Terry, you said you're optimistic about top four... There is a scenario here where suddenly, this time next week, it, it, it's game on, isn't there? And of course, Arsenal's still got to come to us. Yeah, and I, I based that on it. We're at the stage of the season now where we can look at the remaining fixtures. And it, it's not too long away, you know. And I'm looking, um, and I look at our fixtures. and I, yeah, I, I, We've got Liverpool. You know, and I look at Arsenal. So I, I go through our fixtures. We've got Brighton, West Ham in the next two games. And then we've got Newcastle at home, Villa away, Brighton at home, Brentford away, Leicester at home, Liverpool away. Burnley at home, Norwich away, and Arsenal to be rearranged. Now, if we could pick up the points, I know it's a big if because we've been losing at home to Southampton and Wolves. We've been winning at Manchester City, and we then we lose to Burnley. We lose to Middlesbrough in the Cup. We thrash Everton, and you know it's all over the place. But if we can get some form and some consistency, those games there are winnable. I look at Arsenal's. They've got, as you say, Liverpool. They've got Villa away. They've got Palace away. City drew out last night. Brighton at home, Southampton away, which can be tricky. United, they've got Man United at home, West Ham away, Leeds at home, Newcastle away, Everton at home, and to be rearranged, us and Chelsea away. So that we've got to beat them. We've got to beat them. That's a must. So that closes the gap down straight away. And then we've got to hope that we're in those games that we've got, we win more games than Arsenal. So I'm a, a, a little beacon of hope. I'm not a big beacon of hope. I've never been a big anything, but a little beacon of hope that if we can show the form we showed against City and against Leeds and against Everton, then then those games there are, are winnable. If we can get some momentum, and of course we've got to beat Arsenal when they come to, to our ground, then it's it's not beyond us. It don't look great at the moment, I admit. Six-point gap and then with a game in hand. You feel that when you look at it, then you go, they could stretch to nine clear. But in, in the space of you know no time whatsoever, this can turn around. Momentum, Arsenal could lose it. We can get it. So there are enough games for us to turn it around. So keeps it exciting as well, doesn't it? Keeps the interest going at least. But I think you agree, those games we've got, Liverpool away is, is the one the rest of them you're looking at and thinking, um, we, we we can win that. I mean uh, there are points to be had. Yeah, I'm looking at Villa away, maybe it's the second hardest game we've got. Which is great. I mean, let's all right, let's talk about one thing's for sure. We're going to Brighton. Brighton are yeah on the on the terrible run. The, the words Doctor Tottenham spring to mind as people often say. If you're on a terrible run, the team you want to be playing is Tottenham. But anyway, leaving that aside, 
How do you how do you do you think we can go there and do the necessary, Russell? Or does is that is that a fixture that concerns you? Well, well, if our current run is anything to go by, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, whatever it is, lose. So we we yeah. do we do a win. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think we should we we should go and win there. We should absolutely go and win there. And they're not. I mean, they're yeah, they're on a bad run. I don't think they're in any danger of you know dropping too far. Um, so I I, th- I think we should you know they'll after after. The weekend, when, like you say, we didn't play that badly, you know, we could have played better, but we weren't that bad. Um, and if they take, you know, what we did against, like you say, Everton, the City away game, which was just incredible. Um, yeah, we should we should go there, you know, and win that game. Absolutely. What, what's been good for me is seeing the improvement in the team with the new guys that have, came, that have come in. You know, because so, so often we've we've signed players that then that don't make their way into the team and they're just more squad players at least this time we've got in Bentecourt and Kulisevsky we've got two players that have come into the team into the first team and improved it although Bentecourt didn't have the greatest game against United he was like he got caught a couple of times and gave the ball away but I mean in in the whole I th- I think those two have come in and improved the team from what you know before they were signed so um, you know, I, I feel like we are. He is getting some momentum going, and I know, uh, you know, if, like you say, if we can get that consistency going, then yeah, we, you know, we should see a really good run in. Hopefully, well, I, I think that I agree. They're, I think they're an upgrade. Yeah, and and to, as Russell said, it's you know not not players that come into the squads and taking the time to settle in. They've come in and and improved this. So that's what you want from your new signings, especially when you pay decent money. You don't expect them to, you know. And Brian Hill is. A good example. We, we, he's a fantastic player, but he's never really been given the opportunity to play with the regular first team starters, cup games with the, the, the fringe players and stuff like that. So to see Kulusevski and Benton could come in and go straight in, kind of gives me the impression they were Conti signings. And Brian Hill who came in in you know in, in the summer, and, and we're not sure where he fits with where he fits in in terms of Conti's selection now uh, tactics. Now we're seeing Conte maybe having that authority to say, I want him and I want him. He'll play here and he'll play there. And they've gone straight in the team. So maybe someone like Brian Hill, who we signed in the summer, has suffered from the fact that it's a, it's a different manager and there's no place in the starting lineup for him at the moment. So, But he's doing brilliant for Valencia. They want to buy him. They probably can't afford him. And it, yeah, they, they love him. He's been fantastic yeah. again. And he's starting games, is he, every, every week? He's a star player. Wow. They compare him to Aima, who's a, an old wow. favourite of theirs. They're, they they he helped them get into yeah. the final of the Copa del Rey, and he was an important part of that. He was man of the match in, in both legs. And the Valencia supporters are holding marches and protests and everything in order for the club to sign him permanently. But I damn got him money. Wow! So we we paid a decent amount for him. Right. So I can't see. Yeah, and of course his, his price is only going up, right? Yeah, so, yeah he's, he's been brilliant. Honestly, he's a super player. And I know the, the criticism about his size and stuff, but he plays for a Valencia team who are all grit, grit, determination, play direct football, funny enough. They have a, a sophisticated Sean Dyche as manager in Jose Bordelas. Um, slightly sophisticated, he, you know, dresses, a, his, his fashion sense is a bit more sophisticated than Sean Dyche's white shirt. Dark, dark tie 
um, even in the snow. Um, so he's adapting to playing for a team that are pretty direct, pretty aggressive, and have to work hard. And he's he's doing that and showing us his quality as well. So I read he said himself he found it a bit tougher than than he expected. Is that is that correct? Well, I, I read that as well, and I was surprised. I, I, it, it's hard to know exactly what he was trying to say because I don't think he speaks perfect English. He might have been saying so along the lines of he's found it tougher because he hasn't been playing as, as much as he would have liked. Um, but I, I have to be honest, Russell and Theo, I don't see a great deal of difference anymore between the Spanish league and the English league in terms of style of play. Um, it used to be the case um, when we had predominantly British players playing and British managers coaching. But when you see the two leagues now, there's as many direct football teams in, in Spain as there is in 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 the Premier League. So, you know, I think the top end of the Premier League is still better than the Spanish and La Liga. But in general, I think there's a not a great deal of difference between, you know, some of the teams you face on a regular basis. So that old belief that certain, yeah, that certain players can't play in the Premier League because it's more robust or it's a bit more physical or it's quicker and all that, no longer applicable. How's the Celso doing? He's done all right. He's, he's, he's playing well. He's playing every game, playing for Villarreal. They were going, going really well at the moment and he's gone straight into the team. He's playing as the second striker, which is probably where he played for Betis, which we haven't, didn't see him play on that many occasions. He became more of a midfield player at Spurs, but he's, he's playing as a number 10 behind the main striker and he's creative and he's, he's, he's playing well as well. Um, Hill's doing better out of the two. Um, but so Celso, he's gone into a team that he knows after the players. Anyway, I was, I was just joking before we started. Etienne Capu, Sergio Aurier. Fourth is there and they're Los Celso. So it's, uh, it's the Spurs Old Boys Club. Um, Spurs B playing in La Liga and they're doing well. Do you think the issue then is that they just won't get, like you'd get 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. You're never going to be able to yeah. perform. Yeah. yeah, I had that in my career. I went to Man United and didn't start a home game for a year. Um, you end up, you, you don't get any momentum. <clears throat> you lose confidence. And you just want to go and play somewhere on a regular basis, then you get your form, you get match sharpness. I think that that's the you know fair, fair comment to make, to be honest. Yeah, frustrating. But with the good news, I guess, the silver lining about all this is that their value is very much, if any, certainly holding up, if not increasing, by them playing well in those. So, so even if we we either could bring them back and they they've got renewed confidence and maybe they they do slot in, or we we move them on and but get a good fee and don't lose any money, which would which would be refreshing. When you consider some of the uh, moving ons, Villarreal can afford Lo Celso. Valencia can't afford Brian Hill. But I suppose someone else might pick him up in Spain. It won't be Real Madrid. It won't be Barcelona. Probably won't be Atletico Madrid. Then you look at Sevilla, who sold him to us, and Valencia can't afford him. Villarreal could, but they've got young players similar to him, so probably wouldn't be in Spain. But I think Brian Hill would be back. Lo Celso will stay at Villarreal, and that's my prediction. So what, what what you're saying, Theo, is the only person that is happy is Daniel Levy because <laughs> the money's going up. As you, usual, Daniel Levy wins again. <laughs> Listen, let's let, we're gonna we're gonna draw this to a close, but we will be back later in the week. But of course, tradition uh, dictates that I have to ask you, gentlemen, for predictions for this Brighton game. Terry, how do you see it going? I'm going to go for a two-one Spurs win. Lovely. Uh, I was going to go 2-1, but I'll, I'll, I'll go one better then. I'll say 3-1. I'm going to say 2-0 because actually Brighton can't score, can they? And we, uh, before that United game, before we, before we came across uh, up against Ronaldo, we won two league games on the spin 
with an aggregate of 9-0. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping we can get back to winning Wades with no Ronaldo in the opposition. So I'm going to say 2-0. And this is where, this is where, every time we've done this, as you know, this season, we've confidently predicted wins against supposedly inferior teams. We've lost. So let's hope we buck the trend. Um, for now, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you both very, very much. Russell and Terry, we'll be back later in the week to preview West Ham's Cup final. Cheers, lads. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply